guys. Hey, guys. Welcome to Rooted in Time Genealogy with your hosts, Nicole and Melody. We are two sisters creating a podcast that brings together genealogy and history with a smattering of generational trauma. So our links are going to be available at rootedintime.net. Those are going to have your primary source documents, relevant newspaper articles, images if they're available, and also a list of our sources can be found there. Further, blogs four and five on the same website have even more detailed information if any of these topics interest you. Today we are continuing our investigation into our great-grandfather, Vasper Wright. We are going to give a trigger warning because throughout this series, we will be discussing instances of family violence, emotional and physical abuse, incest, childhood abuse, neglect, self-harm, drug and alcohol abuse, as well as sexual abuse. So if any of these are a trigger for you, we do understand if you cannot listen to it, and we understand that maybe you just need to come back once we're finished with this particular series that we're doing. If you're involved in a domestic violence situation, we would like you to seek help and call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. You can also send a text with the word START to 88788. Now, and if you're in need of any local resources, whether it's about your own mental health or domestic violence resources, you can always reach out to the United Way by dialing 211 to receive assistance. They will send you assistance that has to deal with your area and places that you could get in for some help. If you are in an emergency situation, you're having a mental health crisis, you always need to go ahead and take the time to call 911 to get help. Don't wait. Today, we are continuing our investigation into our great-grandfather, Vasper Wright. I do want to get into what we know about Vasper from the documents from his early years. I mainly wanted to get an idea of what it would have looked like for him growing up in the location that he grew up with the people he grew up with uh, to kind of get a background on him. Now, from the actual search that I did online, one of the first things I looked at was marriage records because I knew Vasper had married Annie and I was able to find Vasper Wright in the uh, 1930 census married to Annie. So finding a census, if I were to tell you, Melody, that I located a census about Vasper, what would you expect to find on a census? Um, probably what their name, maybe date of birth, place that they're living and job possibly. Okay. Yeah. And all those are generally on anything uh, post 1850 is when they have households put in because before that, a lot of times all you could find was the head of household's name. Oh, okay. But so it makes it a lot harder to research early on, especially if you're trying to research for a female or if you're trying to, research for a group of individuals like whether they're enslaved or a servant you probably weren't going to find it was gonna you'd have to know the household where they resided mm-hmm. but the 1930 census and i did put it up as a supplemental document it gives you quite a bit more information there if you're looking at it 
you get the name, you get the last name. Um, in this case, we got lucky because Annie's brother lived with her. So we even got Annie's last name, which doesn't always happen with females. Mm -hmm. um, occupation, you are able to see that. So you can see that he was a coal loader in a coal mine. You can also see if they're a native born citizen, if they're naturalized, if they're an immigrant. United States is an immigrant nation. Tons of people that came over as immigrants learn like where they were from and that can give you more information about their culture. He, it said on the census that he was 22 years old. So from that, you can deduct the actual around the year of birth. But it also on the 1930s census says the age at which they were first married. So for okay. him, it was 19 and for Annie, and you'll be happy to hear this and you may just want to be okay with that record being the record for this. Annie okay. was 17. Oh, thank when God. When she was married. Because wasn't there another yeah. one where it was saying like 13 or 13. some nonsense like that? Yeah. 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 Which made was, me just sick to my stomach. So, it was, I mean, 17 yeah. is still very young, but especially back in those days, I feel like 17, it's more normal. you know, it, yeah, it's I mean, more normal. You're, you're, you're past the age of consent. So, yeah. 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 So it's not as you <laughs> child bride stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they do have a son leo okay and it says it was like i don't have it in front of me but he was like one and three quarters or something so that means he was born probably around 1928 okay. location is rock mercer county west virginia which we're going to talk more about that particular location location can give you a lot of information about a family Mm -hmm. Urban versus rural, for instance, is yeah. something that can be very helpful. And also just poverty, those kind of things as well. And you can mm -hmm. look up stats. And going off the poverty, what we know is Vasper didn't own a house in 1930. He rented a home. And the rental rate was $6 a month. Now, at that time, I was looking at the averages of the rental rates in that area and the average was probably more around the $10 a month, which clues me into the fact that if he was having to live with his brother-in-law and their family to help pay the rent of this one house, they probably were towards the poverty level. And I can, one, I can conclude they were definitely poverty level because in 1931, I found a newspaper article stating that he had to declare bankruptcy. Hmm. If you look at that Leo was born in 1928. So he would have been around three years old. And his father's already having to declare bankruptcy with having a child. Huh. Having okay. So they were very, very, yeah, very poor. Yes. I'm sitting here looking at Rock for West Virginia right now. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Do people it, live there now? Like, it seems such a, it looks beautiful. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely have, beautiful. Me and my uh, mom, our mom, really, we went out there a few years ago because, I mean, I wanted to see the location. And Rock now is very rural. There aren't very many people there. But no. we will see that in the 1900s up through 1920, up through about uh, 1950, before there was the big crash with coal, they Rock was a growing community. Okay. So they were slowly developing from a rural to a more developed community at this time. 
So Iduro of the census produced these bulletins that would talk about population figures. And there was a bulletin done in 1920 that discussed how population changed between 1900, 1910 to 1920. But what we found is that specifically in rock, the population in 1900 was only 7,771. Oh my God. By 1910, it almost doubles to 13,572. And that's because not only is the train, another train route put in through there, you have the coal mining. So you have those two things working for it to be a more bustling town. And then in 1920, it jumps all the way up to 16,000. That's just rock. That's just rock in general. Now, if you look at Mercer County as a whole, in 1900, they had 23,000 or so people. And by 1920, they had more than doubled to 49,000 people. Okay. So that area, when, you know, when your population is booming, you're going to have jobs, you're going to have like new places like stores and things like that open up mm-hmm. you're going to industrialize and and all that um in 1900 the urban area of mercer county was only considered 4000 people wow I- by night yeah by 1920 it's up to 21000 huh okay so those are big increases from mm-hmm. night the Urban population from 1900 to 1910 increases 206%. Hmm. So there's definitely a driving force over yes. there. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's coal was the big thing. Mm-hmm. Other businesses, I looked up some of the businesses um, that they had there is they'd have like your grocery stores, your general stores, your feed stores. They had a lumber mill. They had a sawmill, and I know they had some bottling companies there that did real well, and at one point was the largest employer in Rock, was a, uh, a soda bottling company. Oh, okay. Um, an- another thing that uh, I gathered based upon the information of where they are and looking at censuses and getting, you know, ideas of, like, religion, because that's something that plays a role in a lot of different people, is that there were... Two major places of worship in Rock. Two. And that was it. One was a Baptist church and one was the Methodist church. Okay. Through the records and studies, I know most of our family, it appears to be on the Methodist because a lot of them are buried in the Methodist plot. Oh, okay. I mean, if those are where you're going, that gives you a kind of indication of kind of background. We're in like rural Appalachia, especially when the coal mining businesses start falling, which we're going to discuss more of what happens at that point in the next podcast. But you have a lot of traditions that are based upon the Christian morals Mm -hmm. of society. And that's a a lot of times how people were going to be raised at that point. Yeah. Now, Rock did live in a location that did have a school. Okay. Oh, in night. Yeah. One. 19... 1913, Okay, they had a two-room brick structure built, because before that, it was log cabins. Um, One room, log cabin, like you would think of, Little House on the Prairie type of school setting. That's okay. what you have there. But this, they had a, it was brick, and it taught um, 
First, it taught years one through eight. And you will see in most of his family, they have an eighth grade education. Vasper has an eighth grade education. His parents, though, only had fourth grade educations. Oh, okay. So that does show, you know, some growth, at least as far as education. And also yeah. it becomes more of something that's normal and people do. But mm-hmm. with him younger being a, a farmer and the kid, or he's a kid of a farmer. Mm-hmm. So he, and he's second. actually, he's third generation farmer because his dad works on his dad's or his Vasper's grandfather's farm. Oh, okay. So they're huh. working. When he was born, he had two older brothers that already uh, were born right before he was. And they're all within five years of each other. So it was pretty yeah. fast. Then yeah, after we all look that, pretty close in, in age. Yeah. Then after that, he has four other siblings. Okay. So there's seven kids. And that's normal for, especially on a rural farm. But mm-hmm. seven kids in an urban setting is a little more difficult. Yeah. You know, the children on a farm, and if they're out working and all that, they're they're not just consuming. They're producing for Yeah, them. they're doing they're stuff for the family. Yes, absolutely. And when the the jobs change to different sorts of jobs, where it's not just manual labor, and you're starting to see that a lot of these large families are going to diminish in size, and we're like right on the cusp of that with Vasper's family. Mm-hmm. And Rand searches for his, you know, like his parents and his brothers and things of that nature to see if anything crazy popped up, and I didn't really see any evidence that would support abuse of any kind granted it was a lot less reported then than it would be today well and today you wouldn't know because unless it was on the i mean you would know the parent that did it but you're not going to know children involved in it or you shouldn't so what we do know we know vasper is living in rock west virginia he's a coal loader he rents a house a very cheap house with another Mm -hmm. family so he's probably not making that much money the area he's living in is still mostly rural though it has had a decent amount of urbanization in the last 20 years but what he would see from his like when he was born in 1907 through like when he turned 20 he's going to see a lot of change in that area due to the influx of population nowadays Uh mel what'd you say how many people live in rock like 3,000 like 3,000 yeah I'm like well people (laughs) apparently left um yeah yeah, it was very very small Um, all I recall seeing there was a really nice post office that to me appeared very out of place and there was a bridge I don't remember any stores in rock like outside of rock yeah yeah but not in rock within like the city limit kind of stuff yeah, and it's, yeah, it was very mountainous it was really yeah, pretty Appalachia, like i'm looking I mean. at pictures and stuff of like if you just put rock west virginia and stuff like that and it looks super pretty very serene picturesque mountainous it, but i there's like no pictures of buildings <laughs> so i'm like hmm um, okay. Is this the um, place that you and mom had drove through and found the cemetery? Is this that place? Yeah. And they were, okay. um, the family was actually digging the grave of 
one of their members that had passed away, which I didn't even know was still a thing. But it is there. Yeah. Yep. And we were there what five years? I don't know exactly. Oh, five it was years a, it was a, yeah, it was a while ago because it was whenever you still lived in Charleston. Yeah. So that's true. But yeah, we went into Wright Cemetery, which was actually right by the Methodist Church. So we saw the church too. Oh, okay. And there were individuals there digging a grave, and it was an older guy who it was his dad who passed away, but then it was his son was there too, helping dig. So it was multi-generational helping dig, which is, I mean, I thought was kind of an amazing thing, mm-hmm. but the odds of running into family there, I guess are kind of high if you're a right, but <laughs> in, in the right cemetery... <laughs> yeah still it was very surreal because growing up in the city I would never think oh I'm gonna run into family if I go to some cemetery yeah it's it's not gonna cross my mind no not at all (laughs) and I mean I know you you like hanging out in cemeteries I do so (laughs) if you're gonna find them (laughs) you would do it so yeah, no, I love cemeteries. You learn so much about the people in the society based upon, you know, how if they're inclusive cemeteries, exclusive cemeteries, uh, mm-hmm. where people are buried, all that kind of stuff. If they have markers, because there's some cemeteries that don't have markers for certain people. So one thing I did find interesting when I was going through the yeah. records is that Vasper's father, Andrew, Right? I want to say it was the World War II draft thing for Claude, one of his brothers, that he had an eye knocked out. Yeah, I remember remember seeing that whenever, yeah, whenever he sent me all that information. I was like, there was a fake eye? What happened? Okay. (laughs) What happened there? Hmm, what's the story? So. And I did find an article that tells a story with somebody that has his name, but I haven't been able to go further and make sure all the details are correct that talk about a person getting hit in the head with a piece of slate. Hmm. But the thing I found interesting about Andrew is he was, you know, a farmer on his dad's land. And then later in life, he becomes a Mason and starts doing masonry work. And then after that, he, uh, goes and works in the coal mines. I don't know exactly why or, or what happened, but it seems like there was a, eventually a, a need for him to continue working even past like retirement age. Yeah. All of these jobs sound exhausting, by the way. They're all physically yeah. laborious, intensive, like Yeah, I haven't exhausting. found anybody. Okay. There is a person on the line. Um, his... One of his brothers alleged after he he was a logman, which obviously that's very taxing. Mm-hmm. But later on, once he retires from logging, becomes a pastor. So I couldn't find a church where he pastored, but I found it in his obit that said that he became a pastor. And I'm like, okay. But all the other jobs I've seen, either the people that marry them or are actual biological. Mm-hmm are very physical, manual labor sorts of tasks. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, I'm assuming most of them 
are like eighth grade education. So yeah. it does make sense that they would be going into careers or jobs where it is more in line with those kind of roles. So it makes sense. Well, another thing of interest was that the daughters, Maud and Elizabeth in particular, I can't remember if the other one had a education more than ninth, but they had like 10th grade and above education. So it could be because they were younger and so they were born whenever they had to go longer or something of that nature. Yeah, just legally. you would think the girls traditionally would have less education than the males, but if you're wanting physical manual labor, you're probably going to be relying more upon the males. And looking at their World War II drafts, it gives you physical descriptions of them. The rights were anywhere from 5'7 to 6'2. So they were you know, large, especially for that time, were a lot taller and larger than the average, but obviously manual label would work. All the females Mm -hmm. that I have seen, his brothers and sisters and who they marry and all that, all of them are housewives. Mm -hmm. Not a one seems to have any job outside of being a housewife. Yeah, but in that time period, that wasn't abnormal. Well, I mean, I've in that area and in that time period, maybe not. Are you but thinking like seamstresses and things like that? Or yeah. like, okay. Yeah, like just some, something. Like if you were to look at like an immigrant ancestry of people during this time to an urban area, it's going to look, I know, obviously way different. But the females are generally going to carry some sort of, it could be a cleaning job or something. And I do think one of them later in life does say on her um, death certificate that she was a cleaner. Okay. I'd have to look at which one, but that's, I mean, we're going to discuss later life in another podcast anyways, but that now that I'm recollecting is the only thing I've seen that has a female next to a job outside of keeping house. Mm-hmm. Between the first kiddo and the last kiddo, that's quite the uh, difference. Oh, yeah. In ages there. <laughs> it's pretty oh, much like geez. starting all over. No. Yep. Yep. So with the census information that we have, that one sentence from 1930, uh, mm-hmm. that led me to a whole bunch of questions that I could add into wanting to know more about Vasper. Yeah. And this just goes to show how even the littlest fragment from something could potentially lead to larger questions and finding mm-hmm. of other places like the eye what happened to his eye yeah like we would want to know that and i have googled and i i might have found it but i need to do a little more on that we talked about how, what rock was like because obviously if you have a destination of a relative in a census get the context yeah learn about where they grew up yeah, because the environment plays a factor in how people are raised, what kind of environment they're in, you know, and also like, as we can see here, kind of the economic factors too, of how they grew up too, which also, again, plays into a role of how the family lives. So which is crucial to under to just understanding it better on multiple levels. Well, and there are a lot of ways to learn more about a place without necessarily just googling history of rock west virginia which of course Mm -hmm. i did and got information but a lot of times these places have either city or county pages 
that will tell you a little bit about them. Of course, going on to newspapers and just punching in that county name for a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. Look at the sorts of things they're advertising. Look in the classifieds. What are people requesting? What types of jobs are people wanting people for? That'll mm-hmm. give you kind of a better image of what's going on. Directories. What kind of places are out there that they would have went ahead and spent their time at? I was reading something about rock and it said that they couldn't keep the liquor place open because there wasn't enough packed on it. And so they ended up closing down and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. And then what kind of foods do I, they like? Do they like possum? Yeah. Uh, probably. <laughs> no. But possums the- eat the mosquitoes. No, do you remember like on the um the newspaper article that I came across? Oh. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a uh, Melody experienced the uh <laughs> the fun that can be going down rabbit holes whenever you find articles next to information that you're actually looking for. I mean, it was a long <laughs> article. Okay. Uh-huh. Like this was a very very important story. You know, if you send time. it to me, I will post it on the website. Oh yes, because it is awesome. a great read. How yeah, a Go ahead possum... and give a sh- summary. Yeah. Okay. So this article, so it, you know, a lot of times with newspapers, the importance of the article is based off of how many inches, you know, they get in it. This one had about two columns worth. So it was a hot commodity and a possum stopped traffic. It was a big deal. Stopped traffic. It wouldn't move. So naturally the possum became dinner. And it went into detail about the trimmings of the possum and just how magical it was. It was just the most interesting thing. <laughs> it's something read. you would expect nowadays to find in the onion. Yeah, yeah, it really would be. I was just like mesmerized by that whole thing just because I was like, this was news for this time right now. And then as we were, yeah, so it was just, I'll have to send, I did like uh, save that article just because I found it amusing. Um, (laughs) So, and then it was also just funny, like, you know, we were um, searching for right, you know, and I kept coming across this other girl and just basically being able to track, she wasn't related to us, but she tracking like, she was out of school because she had, you know, she had to go to the doctor and then she came back and then she was going to visit people every other day. And all of these things were in the newspaper. Yep. I didn't realize that was a thing that people Oh, did. yeah. Especially in small towns. Yeah. You I was see, like, this person I, is visiting this person. This person went to go see her sister. This person. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because, it, you know, people talk about Big Brother's watching you now. I mean, they were tracking your movement too, just different. <laughs> now, for most of our family members, you're not going to get updates like that. No, no you're um, not. So <laughs> that's how you, I was just like, this was probably somebody who was like higher class. Socialite. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like they, they, I don't, I don't think they, they took notice or anybody yeah. cared to put in. Uh, a I used to of any of that. tell my students that 
Sometimes the absence of information can be more telling than the information itself. Uh-huh. Because you're yep. going to get more information on that sort of good stuff if you are well-connected, especially in a small town. Mm-hmm. And that's even true today. I mean, yeah. if you're in a small town and you're well-connected, you could probably end up in a newspaper article or two mm-hmm. in a good way. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're just going to be in the section that is, these people were arrested. This person yeah. has a warrant. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Oh, one thing I did want to ask. Do you think, because Vasper was one of seven. Yeah. Do you think his placement as being the third oldest, and not only the third oldest, but third oldest boy in the family had any sort of influence on how he might have reacted to things? Well, you know, there's been a lot of talk on, like, sibling just um, order in, in general and how typically, like, if you're older, you're going to show uh, traits that are, are, like, you're more responsible, your rule follower, determination, those kind of things, but also maybe a little bossy. Um <laughs> you know, for firstborn. And so with middle children, you do tend to see they're more of like, you know, people stereotype them as more rebellious mm-hmm. and um, rule breakers or generous and competitive and stuff like that. And I, and then the youngest ones, you know, they're, if you want to put spoiled there, typically might be a little bit more spoiled, fun-letting, you know, outgoing kind of stuff. And a lot of that also has to, I think, in part, it's because, like, if you think of as a parent, you have your first kid and you're putting a lot of attention. You get sole attention to that first child. But it's also your trial. <laughs> child. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're learning um, how to take care of another human being. And I feel like, especially with our family, I don't think anybody really was taking a child development course and figuring out how to take care of a child in a healthy way. I do think that middle children tend to, I don't know, it's just, it's hard to say whether or not I feel like it's a, his, I, I do think he probably didn't have a whole lot of attention, especially considering the fact that there's seven kids. Yeah. So maybe he did act out more to try to gain attention. Um, But it was also at such a different time period that kids were seen differently. These were kids that were in a working class family that probably had roles that they had to fill in the family to help. It wasn't just a, oh, you're a kid. Your job is to be a kid and grow up and try to learn values it was very different time period so yeah I don't I don't um it very well could have especially since we did see a lot of art well articles about like Vasper and Claude yeah those together and and they're only two years apart yeah exactly they I think because of their close age they Mm -hmm. ended up getting stuff yeah, and they were the youngest, what, two boys, and so only two years apart. So I would imagine that they probably were almost like thick as thieves, if you will, growing up. Well, they and were. yeah, and 
<laughs> yeah. So they probably, yeah, I think they probably did um, kind of cling on to one another. I, I'm guessing their relationship was pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, which will, you know, kind of go over how that's, Enmeshment's not a good thing either um, in families. But well, especially with certain... With certain things, yeah. There's just functional things. aspects of that. But yeah, I would be interested to see, like, it makes me wonder, like, what his life turned out to be. So I'm looking, the first kid, um, Andrew, he okay. was actually the one who they have in his obit titled Reverend Andrew James Wright of Roanoke. Okay. Yeah, so Hmm. it says there in the obit that he was retired from the American Coal Company. After that, he became a minister, and then he retired as a minister as well. And they moved, obviously, to Roanoke, which isn't terribly far, but it's still kind of far. Hmm. Okay. His funeral services took place at the Lots Salem Chapel. Another way, if we Googled that, we could probably figure out what the type of religion, if any, if any specific, which at that time probably is there. But Roanoke is definitely a much larger place than Rock. There is one thing I still, I forgot to mention earlier, is I did post a picture of Vasper holding my mom when she was maybe three or four years Hmm. old. And I don't know how to feel about the picture. Yeah. Like knowing what I know now, I just, I, I don't really know. And everyone in the picture seems to be happy, but that's generally the case. I mean, look at social media. Most people put the great things on the happy days, the happy face Mm -hmm. on social media. But then what happens behind closed doors is more hush hush. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I don't know. How old do you think mom was in that picture? Like two, three, maybe three? Yeah. I mean, she was young. She she was young and she doesn't remember much. She remembers a driveway that went straight up a hill in a Mm -hmm. small house, which if you go to Rock, that describes every single driveway on Wright Mountain Road. Yeah. Which is (laughs) the road that he probably lived on. Mm-hmm. Well, this was probably taken in the late 60s, like 1967 would be my guess on when this picture was taken. Okay. And I mean, I've looked at it to try to find clues. Yeah, it's such a close just, up. And so yeah. it's, it's hard to see kind of the surrounding um, yeah. and kind of environment that the or what kind of house it was. Because they're like, what, in a a pass, like a a doorway, right? Or something like that? Or right in front of the they're entryway? They're in a room in a doorway, yeah. So yeah. you can't really see anything. Mom looks happy. Vasper looks happy. Doesn't have very many teeth. Hmm. Um, that kind of is a theme with a lot of my family. Some just because of not having the money to go to a dentist. And others, mm-hmm. you know, because it gets knocked out of them yep. from a car crash or a fist. fight so yeah a little bit of all those a little bit of everything or just tripping and yeah. falling and busting their head their face yep yeah that shows her with her grandfather she has very limited recollection due to the fact that her son which is mom's father 
passes away and then they have pretty much zero contact with that side of the family after that. Mm -hmm. And for good reason. Yeah. So this series, we used to think it was probably only going to be three podcasts. Now, because we want to go into both sides of our family, we know it's going to take a few more podcasts than that to be able to fully deep dive Mm -hmm. into our family history, especially getting into the records trying to find more proofs and whatnot. With Vasper, we will definitely be discussing sexual abuse, incest, and looking at Vasper and who he becomes as a person, as an adult. Mm-hmm. Like what decisions he tries to make there. I'm going to be pulling in some newspaper articles, but I'll also be discussing the case itself because I have been able to find the like a write up of the Supreme Court verdict because he ended up his alcohol abuse and kind of discuss from there we'll go into his son after that podcast and you're gonna see how it starts trickling into the family, this alcohol abuse, this physical and emotional abuse that we're gonna see from Vasper. I do believe from my understanding that his conviction on incest is the only one that I know of, Mm -hmm. but I do know we are going to be talking to our uncle this weekend who says he remembers a little bit more. He was um, older than my mom about Vasper than my mom does. So that might open up some more like oral history and stories that we can then um, investigate. A lot of the investigating now is going to be through the courts. I do have have sent to the circuit court trying to get a copy of the original I um, charge, an original case. I have not received anything yet. So next thing I have to do as a genealogist would be to send in a freedom of information request. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to explain all that on the website so you can see what a freedom of information request looks like and it's going to be different for every state but this will at least give you an idea yeah of what it looks like and i did one i've done them before so if i have any of the documents from any of those i'll put them up there too just so you can see uh the other ones were in michigan that i did so this will be a west virginia freedom of information request and then i mean this pretty much gives you the basic understanding of vasper where he grew up what his family structure was like education level and what he did for a living which was coal mining so it gives you a little bit of a glimpse into the outward appearance of the man what he looks like on paper so to speak Mm -hmm. but we're going to get deeper into what he was actually like on the inside and with his family yep it's a deep dive that's for sure well thank you all for listening and see you next time remember (laughs) be human Be human.